What is up, Football Life? This is Football Life presents the Audible on this Tuesday, March 30th. I'm your host, Randy Hammond, alongside Matt Bushnell. And Matt, before I give you the floor here, we have breaking news off the top. The second greatest giant of all time, Michael Strahan, has fixed the gap in his mouth. What is happening to the world? What is going on here? He's going to lose millions. That's his whole brand. Yeah, yeah that's everything for him. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Christ, Michael. He tweeted it out saying, I did it, hashtag goodbye gap, and I am devastated. And how could you do that to us, Strahan? Now, you're our guy. Now you're just some corporate guy like Mike, like Roman Reigns getting your teeth fixed. What the hell? Sold out. He's sold Absolutely. out, Randy. Unbelievable. Anyway, we've had better starts of the show, Matt Bushnell. How the hell are you? I'm hot, Randy. It's hot here. 87 degrees right now. We're going to get into the mid-90s. Oh, boy. Uh, that's much hotter than it is here. We're approaching the spring. So now we have this sort of second winter aspects in upstate New York, which uh, you think you're in the sixties for good. And all of a sudden it's 30 now. And now, you know, we'll get back to the warmer weather eventually, but this is how it goes here uh, in the Northeast where with seasons, but I guess I'd rather take this than be sweating all the time like you. Uh, all right, Matt, we have uh, a quite the show planned for you today. We have some news to get to. Uh, we have some free agents. We're going to round up that we haven't, we might've missed in the last week. Uh, not, not too crazy big names, but we're just going to keep you guys informed as to who signed where. And then Today begins our draft coverage. We are going to do some pro comparisons for the quarterback groups coming in here. Uh, about seven to eight guys we're going to do uh, some evaluations on and compare them to guys. We're going to do best case scenario and worst case scenario for a lot of these people. Uh, and, you know, we have a lot of fans in the group that could, could be interested in quarterbacks. So you're going to want to check that out. Uh, at the end of the show all right man let's start off uh it is march madness still technically we're reaching the final four but we had some nfl trade madness on friday uh involving the miami dolphins uh and broke uh, within minutes of one another they make two trades the first one they trade with the san francisco 49ers up to three overall uh the dolphins uh give them or the niners trade with the dolphins to get three overall and then the dolphins had 12 they also receive a 2022 first rounder and a 2022 third rounder and a 2023 first rounder. So that's a haul for the Niners to go up to three. Then within a half hour later, the Dolphins jump back up into the top 10 to number six. They trade with the Eagles, who sent Miami the sixth overall pick, a fifth rounder in exchange for the 12th pick, a fourth rounder, and a 2022 first rounder. So we have picks going all over the place here, which is a sign that the draft is not very far away. Um, Matt, what are some of your takeaways from here? Well, let's start off with each of the teams involved. Let's start off with the 49ers because now they have the, yep. the highest pick in the draft at this point now, the number three out of, out of the three teams. Um, what are the Niners going to do? I mean, they still say they're committed to Jimmy G, but these moves tell you that not so much. To, to me, it screams quarterback. I, I'm not a huge fan of it for the Niners for, for a lot of reasons. I don't think this quarterback class is the greatest, and we'll get to that as well, but – to me, absolutely, it's a quarterback that they're going to look to sit, develop, and then start probably next year, um, maybe the year after, let them sit two years, depending on who it is. And there's just a lot of rumors flying out there, what they will do. As they get more information, it may not be surprising to see them maybe trade back out of three and go down a little bit further in the draft. The Panthers may want to move up to three. There, there's a lot of teams with a lot of traction here, uh -huh. but you trade up to three – for a team that's built really well at every position, it's it's quarterback. It's quarterback driven at that point. 
they have said this entire time that they are committed to Jimmy Garoppolo, but all of their actions uh, speak louder than those words because they have been in on Matt Stafford. Um, they've kicked the tires on Matt Ryan, Kirk Cousins. There have been plenty of rumors involving the 49ers and the quarterback, which would make you think that, you know, maybe uh, we're not as all in on Jimmy G as we are saying we are. So this is another one of those instances where they're like, we like a guy. We don't, we're not going to tell you who, but we definitely like a certain person or we like three guys, for example, and no matter what we're getting on them. Uh, and that means, you know, Jimmy G could be out the door too. Now let's go to the Miami Dolphins who find themselves at the sixth spot. To me, uh, this shows me that Miami uh, likes a wide receiver and they want to help to get a receiver or give to another weapon. And they figured, positional value and draft value you could get your guy at six rather than reaching for him at three which holy hell what a concept some gms have no idea how to do this but uh they're like all right we're at six if we can't get jamar chase for example there's rumors about the Bengals picking him at fifth you can still get Devonte smith who played with Tua at Alabama. So uh, there are options for the dolphins here at six my guess is that they're trying to get one of those stud receivers at six yeah, it'd be hard to project Kylie Pitts here just because um, Galecki or Gasecki is just a fantastic tight end. So I can't see Gasecki being that guy. Also, to me, you know, Jamar Chase is probably the most logical wide receiver here. The more I read about him, the more tape I see on him, the more I really think he's an NFL type wide receiver. The- Devontae Smith. I like him a lot. You know, he's a, he's a really, really solid football player. But at what point does the size start to concern you? Is he too small? Is he too brittle? The frame looks kind of smallish. But, I mean, we've seen wide receivers like that in the past. And developing that NFL body usually comes. I know some guys have a college body when they get into college. You know, they put on more muscle mass. In the NFL, that also gets um, – accelerated i just think that for this particular team you you need a ready go wide receiver body wise i'm I'm gonna go jamar chase it makes the most sense for the dolphins here at six but i do have to add when is the statue of laramie tunsil going up at hard rock stadium (laughs) that dude got them four first round picks yeah it's it's nuts what that trade has turned into for the dolphins What's crazy is that you look back at the Laramie Tunsil draft and he was projected to go number one overall. And then the whole face bong marijuana situation happened. And then he fell to 12 or 13, wherever the Dolphins were picking. And then it has turned into this whole plethora of picks that uh, no one could have imagined. So good for Laramie Tunsil, I guess. And he even acknowledged that, uh, you know, all of the picks that he, uh, his trade uh, led to for Miami. But uh, anyway, I think Kyle Pitts is a good option here because a lot of guys think uh, Kyle Pitts is a wide receiver. They don't necessarily think he is a traditional tight end, like an Evan Ingram type. And I know Giants fans are comparing him to Evan Ingram because of that. Uh, I think he has much more reliable hands than Evan Ingram. We'll talk about him more once we get to that sort of position group uh, in the coming weeks. But uh, I would not be surprised if Kyle Pitts was the guy there already in Florida. I'm sure they got a great look at him already, but um, you know, Jamar Chase is going to be the guy I'm I'm looking at because if the Bengals decide to pair him up with his LSU teammate, then they're going to be looking at another option and it could be Pitts or Smith or, or Waddle even. Who knows? So we'll see what happens there. Now the Eagles, um, the Eagles are in full rebuild mode, it appears, because they were at six. And it, it, the rumor was is that they wanted Chase 
but then they re- they got five from the Bengals that they want to chase. So now the Eagles were like, all right, well, we're going to trade back since we're not going to get our guy anyway. So now they have 12 and they get an extra first rounder next year. And this is what teams rebuilding should absolutely do is just acquire draft capital. So I have, I love this sort of thing for them. I mean, you're going to take best player available at 12 and then you get another pick next year and another asset for the following year. We'll see what you have in Jalen Hurts. Um, this makes a ton of sense for the Eagles, especially if they know they're not getting the right guy. Like I said, unbelievable GM work here. Uh, I can't believe there are GMs out there who understand this, uh, but <laughs> they exist. So good on the Eagles for this. I don't know who they're target, targeting at 12, but I, I kind of like this lot process yeah to me it makes so much sense to move back if you're not if you want to see hurts and you're not sure what you have in him absolutely you got a new coaching staff coming in let them get a chance to see what they have in hurts and then you get two first round picks next year so you have ammunition to move up in the draft for a guy like sam howell who a lot of people are pretty high on for next season Mm -hmm. along with some other quarterbacks so it's just a smart move if you're not sold on a guy and if you really want a guy, Jamar Chase, for example, and you don't think he's going to be there at five or after five, just move back, you know, shift your draft position, get those assets. It's what the good teams do. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't like trading out of the first round. I, I think that comes with a, a lot of risk because with a lot of these guys, you get a lot of talent. It's a lot of the tools that you need, the high athletic guys, those have to be your impact players. But at the, at the same time, you know what? Manipulate the draft. There are a couple of GMs. We're, we're seeing the Dolphins do it now. The teams that can manipulate the draft and get the guys they want where they want them usually fare pretty well long term. Yeah, and I mean, the Eagles uh, have fallen off quite a bit recently, but overall, I think they have been a pretty well-run organization, so we'll see what they do with, with these draft picks. I mean, they have botched a couple receiver decisions in the draft as of late, but yeah. um, maybe just avoid taking a receiver at this point. This could be a blessing in disguise for them that, that someone else said that they were interested in Jamar Chase. Uh, all right. So we're going to move on now. The uh, somewhere, Matt, our friend, not really our friend, but former NFL coach Jeff Fisher is weeping because no team can ever go 7-9 again. And that's because the NFL has expanded its regular season to 17 games with one bye week, making for an 18-game regular season. It's the first time in 43 years the NFL has made a move. Uh, it has been a 16-game regular season since 1978. So, I mean, this is a long stretch of time, and I think a lot of people were used to the 16 games, and I, I know for certain I am, and this is this is going to be a weird change, and I feel like more changes will be coming down the line with the CBA and with the Players uh, Association. I think that they're going to fight for another bye week, so we'll see what happens there. And then I, I wouldn't be shocked if they added another regular season game and took away a preseason game and then added a bye week. There's going to be some some finagling here with the, with the schedule. But Matt Bushnell, what are you? What are some of your takeaways here? Uh, you know, 17 games now. You're going to see teams go 10 and seven. You know, nine and eight. No more 500 records i think it's kind of weird yeah it's going to be weird but i think it does eliminate some of the bad teams from playoff contention that are fringe teams i i know they're going with seven playoff teams and i don't feel i don't love that randy for a couple of reasons one we saw the bears sneak in as a seven seed and they got the saints i i don't know if that was a win for the bears to get in but obviously i think it was fool's gold I kind of thought they'd get into the playoffs anyway. They end up doing it and embarrass themselves offensively in that Nickelodeon game. But to me, I do like the extra game to, you know, I'm trying to find the words here. I think for the upper tier teams, it's a waste of time 
I, I don't love it for that reason. For the middle and lower playoff fringe teams, I, I like it a lot more. I think it also helps clarify the draft. So no more coin flips, no more this. You know, I, I think you can weed it out a little bit more. You're going to see with this um, a lot of records be skewed. Um, I, we've mentioned a lot of them, about the, the Chicago Bears and the New York Jets being the only two teams to not have a 4,000-yard passer in this time. You're going to see a lot of passing records be set. You're going to see a lot of rushing records be set, receiving records, all sorts of records be sort of changed because of the amount of games being played. And I wonder how immediate that'll be, but I would not be shocked if you see like a 60-touchdown season by a quarterback or, um, you know, I mean, there are an extra like – if, if you have a guy like Patrick Mahomes who threw 50 touchdowns in his rookie year um he gets hot and he plays an extra game he has a chance to throw four touchdowns in the final game to get 60 wouldn't be totally shocked uh i think there was a point in time where we thought 50 was impossible so and that has happened uh three four times now so uh, i wouldn't be shocked to see a lot of these records increased um and like you, you i remember when i just watched 61 with for the baseball movie segment we did over in baseball life on the dog city i watched 61 with uh with the roger maris story like everyone's like oh he has to beat baby Ruth's record within the time that Babe Ruth played. He has to do it within 154. It can't be 162. Like, are we going to start to see that here? Because that's some of the things I think about. Like, if, if a guy has a record at 16 games and he gets it in the 17th game, are people going to count it? We'll see, I guess, how long this lasts. But it's just it's what the record's going to be at this point. Yeah, and, you know, our friend Leon Tompkins from the Step Back podcast said, this increases the value of running backs, Randy. So having yeah. that belt. I don't know if I agree with that. <laughs> I don't know if I agree with that. Do you think it's more indispensable? I, I, I will say this. 55 touchdown passes for Peyton Manning. If he would have played a 17th game, I still don't think that he gets to 60. And also we take a look at at what point do guys start sitting then? Are you going to sit guys right. three weeks to go before the playoffs? I mean, it's going to change things. It's You think that extra game, oh, it's just an extra game. But there's some things to it that makes it a little bit more complicated than just, you know, another game. I mean, we've seen that strategy not work in the, in the past, especially with those Peyton Manning Colts teams. Uh, they have been one and done quite a few times because they, they rested and were not playing their best football and they were rusty. So uh, teams are going to have to figure out how to handle that. And as far as running backs go, there has never been a t- time more to have a running back by committee system because quarter- running backs don't last all season right now as of 16 games. How is an extra game going to help them fare longer? They're not. So you're going to have to be do the Patriots method and have three running backs you know throw them all the ball three times give them all five hit carries just spread it around spread the love around baby don't pay a single guy Saquon looking at you 200 million dollars for seven years I'm not here for it uh miss me with the running back value thing I think if anything this hurts their value even more uh all right Matt we're gonna move on 17 games it's gonna be weird that's all I'm gonna say 10 and 7 records never gonna get used to that 17 Uh, and 0 baby some team's gonna it's gonna happen maybe eventually uh all right uh the deshaun watson saga continues matt bushnell and uh it's not getting any prettier for him now there are 19 um civil lawsuits uh have been filed against deshaun watson on behalf of a woman who alleged inappropriate behavior and sexual assault um I don't really know what to say. I think, I mean, today was the first day that uh, a, a Texans official said something. A Texans GM, Nick Casario, said that the uh, the allegations are certainly troubling and they're taking them very seriously, which is just 
law legal speak at this point, but uh, Deshaun Watson's out here deleting Instagram messages and uh, there's a video servicing with him and Mia Khalifa. I mean, th these are not things that are going very well for Deshaun Watson at this point. A lot of issues here, lots of issues. And I know last week I kind of said, you know, maybe, you know, they were uncomfortable. As more stuff comes out and the more depositions I'm reading, um, Jane Doe 15, if you guys haven't read that, you know, basically um, she experienced this before all the news leaked and it was in May of 2020, I believe. And she called her mom and her best friend, or I shouldn't say her best friend, but a friend, and she told them the story. Now, both of these people are willing to testify in, in the civil suit against Deshaun Watson saying, yes, they called it, and they have the records to corroborate that. And then there's an SI article today about a woman who's not sure if she wants to sue or not sue. Um, the Busby camp tried to get her to join that lawsuit. She said no. Um, and her story is not one of sexual assault, but it, it, it is like you start seeing that pattern. And this happened, she experienced this back in 2019. Mm -hmm. So it, it's troublesome at the very least and what I'm reading. And I'm, I'm you know, I, I don't like switching my takes very often, but I have to on this because I think the evidence and this sheer, sheer quantity, it is getting bad. Like... Mm -hmm you cannot lose the public, you know, the court of public opinion in a civil lawsuit, mm -hmm. you know, because if, if you don't come out and start having some evidence, some defense to this, they're just taking all these hits. Um, a Houston Texans quarterback hasn't been sacked this much since David Carr. Oh, you, that, that's, you know, that's just not necessary. I'm here there. all week, baby. That's uh, just, this is the kind of thing I'm working with here, folks. I mean, <laughs> come on. What is going on here? Uh, <laughs> this is Matt Bush, not his finest. Uh, not, I don't want to make light of the situation because when you have a quantity of, of people willing to speak out and say these things happen to them, I, I feel like you have to take them seriously. And I said it last week, like you have to take them seriously and you have to listen and you have to do your due diligence. And assuming things are incorrect or false is a dangerous game here with this sort of thing. So I'm not going to do that. Um, Deshaun Watson continues to deny any doing and inappropriate activity, which of course he's going to do that. Um, I'm not shocked about that. And uh, his lawyer continues to say that he has strong evidence that shows that these are false and, uh, and it's going to question the legitimacy of all the other uh, accusations as where, well. Where so. is it though? Where is it? Well, look, these are all things that happen in court. So I don't, I mean, uh, Busby's out here releasing evidence on Instagram. So Harden saying, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to handle this uh, in, in the court. You know, I mean, <laughs> there are different ways to go about it here. And certainly Watson appears to be guilty in the, in the court of public opinion, but uh, these things have a legal process. And a lot of times they get away with some of these things because of uh, reasonable doubt and all of these other things, which I'm not saying that to make it right, right. But uh, unfortunately well, that's how, you know, these lawyers become rich too. Well, well Mike Florio stated it pretty perfectly. And I, I listen to Mike Florio pretty much every day. And I, I value his opinion because he used to be an ex lawyer. He said, mm -hmm you don't need you're not trying to prove that anybody's guilty of this you're just trying to prove that he did something or make it believable mm -hmm. that he did this you don't have to prove yeah. that he did it so the fact that they're saying they have evidence to disprove this 
Well, let it out now because guess what? That destroys their lawsuit. You don't have to wait if it's a lawsuit. Yeah. Release the evidence. The fact that they're waiting, I, I'm starting to sense they're full of BS about they have proof, especially yeah. when he starts deleting Instagram messages, text messages. Yeah. Like th this is yeah. bad. This is a terrible look. I'm not a legal expert. I don't pretend to be. Uh, I, I'm very much someone who will let everything play out as is, but I also will. Um, I'm always going to take these sort of things seriously because you have to. Um, there are so many people who are victims of this who refuse to speak out because of how they are shamed and how they are treated after the fact. And uh, I refuse to be that. So, um, you know, shame on Deshaun Watson for even getting himself into this situation. And if he is innocent, uh, an apology will be due down the road, but you know, we'll see what happens here. And um, it, as of now, he's still at the Texas quarterback. He's still not, uh, not uh, and there's no suspension. There's no punishment. Uh, and I think the NFL will probably wait for some sort of uh, decision to be handed down on him to make it that decision. But uh, the commissioner's exempt list is probably where he's heading here. Right, Matt. I, I think that's what we both read to this point. Yeah, I, I think that's a done deal. He still gets paid while they get to sort this out. Um, even if he settles the lawsuits, and I think this is the important thing to understand here, the NFL is not just going to stop investigating this situation. They're mm -hmm. going to gather facts. This could take a year. So Deshaun Watson can go on the commissioner's exempt list, which is the worst possible scenario for the Texans here, because he's not going to be allowed to pay to play. He still gets paid, but he's not right. going to be playing. And you have this quarterback who has all this controversy. And let's face it, he's not getting traded at this point. You, you would have to be crazy to get a trade done right now. You, you need to let this thing play out. But, man, it's, um, it's going to get interesting. But like you said, Randy, commissioner's exempt list. He will be heading towards that list, I, I would guess, within the next month or so. Yeah, and I hope the NFL takes this seriously. We've seen them not take certain situations as seriously as they should have in the past, and they're not the only league. I mean, the MLB is not certainly not a shining example of this either, considering how they handled the Domingo Herman and Aralda Chapman and so many others. Uh, and the NBA at least pretends like they care, but you know, there's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes that show <laughs> they don't they don't really that care that much either. So um, I really hope they do take it seriously. And you know, if Deshaun Watson is some monster that he's being accused of, then uh, he should be punished legally it shouldn't even be up to the nfl to decide so um you know hopefully that process plays out the way it should uh all right matt there's no easy transition but we have free agency still going on here uh, we're, i mean a lot of the big names we already discussed and talked about but there are still transactions going on some big names some some guys who used to be good who are trying to you know rekindle some of that magic uh, so to speak uh we, the first one that comes to mind the biggest name i read was malcolm butler super bowl hero uh signing into the play in the stadium which he became that super bowl hero in arizona to play with the cardinals on a one-year deal worth six million dollars uh essentially he is the patrick peterson replacement but after the stint in tennessee i don't even know if he's very good anymore if really however he was even that good to begin with yeah, Malcolm Butler is an interesting case. Um, cornerbacks are interesting. I, I think what you're going to see with him is what a lot of people may think. Um, he's he's going to benefit from a pass rush, a better pass rush than what he had. I also believe that he may be an upgrade over Patrick Peterson. I, I just, I don't know 
if it's going to be that big of an improvement. But with J.J. Watt, Chandler Jones, and a couple of other pieces they do have on that defense that can rush the passer and get after it, I, I do think Malcolm Butler is an upgrade over Peterson. After watching Peterson, I mean, he was toast almost weekly. So to me, it's a good move for the Cardinals. They obviously need to get a corner. It gives them draft flexibility where they're not pigeonholing a guy. I just wish the Cardinals would sign an offensive lineman. Like, just please go sign one of those guys. They're out there. But I will say this. Uh, the top four linemen in the draft last year, and I, I'm going to throw out – who'd you guys draft? Um, Andrew Thomas. Yeah, Andrew Thomas, number one overall, or the first tackle. Fourth overall. Mm-hmm. Yep, bad pick there. But mm-hmm. – this draft class is not as good as those top three, three and a half offensive linemen from last year, but this is a deep, deep, deep offensive line draft. You can get a good offensive lineman in the second, third, fourth round. It's pretty deep for that. Um, a guy to keep an eye on is the Cosme kid from Texas for the draft flexibility, but overall Malcolm Butler is a nice signing for them. It gives them depth at corner that they needed. Yeah, I mean, overall, I'm not that mad about it. It's not a, a big money contract by any means. So uh, you have to fill that Patrick Peterson role. And I think they did that. Uh, they did trade with the Raiders for their offensive, one of their offensive linemen. So they're That's trying true. to make some moves. So, you know, I mean, I think the Cardinals are, are fully out of the woods there. But yeah, I, I expect them to go offensive line in the draft, especially after signing AJ Green and JJ Watt. I think that's the focus for them at this point. <clears throat> yeah, I'm interested to hear what happens with Larry Fitzgerald. Yeah, he's kind of in peril right now. I wonder what like, he's in a no man's land. Uh, so I wonder if he's just going to call it a career or, or try to sign somewhere on a one year deal. Um, I don't see. Speaking of wide receivers that are kind of old now, but we have a pair of them that signed deals. Uh, Deshaun Jackson signing with the Rams, maybe trying to light a fire uh, with Matt Stafford a little bit, which I don't think that's going to happen, but uh, we'll see. And then Sammy Watkins uh, of Chiefs, um, you know, number three number three option for a while there uh signed with the ravens so lamar jackson does get a bit of a weapon but um i think a little too little too late at this point after they whiffed on all the other guys so uh what do you make of these two receiver moves i love the jackson signing in the rams for for one reason robert woods is an excellent route runner with great hands not top end speed i love um cooper cup same type of you know Mm -hmm. perfect guy that runs really good routes not a whole lot of speed. Deshaun Jackson's the guy that's going to open things up underneath. He is going to blow the roof off the coverage. Matthew Stafford's got the perfect arm for that. Um, to me, it goes back to the Rams are just getting better and better and better. And I don't see the NFC West making the same move. Right now, if you ask me to rank the NFC West teams after free agency, well, during this period of free agency, Randy, it's going to go um, Rams, Cardinals, Seahawks, Niners. Uh, I mean, that's, I might put Niners over the Seahawks at this point, but uh, yeah, who maybe. Knows? yeah, I mean, I do think the Cardinals are the two, the, the second team in that division right now. I do like the aspect of Jackson being able to stretch the field because Cup and Woods are more possession guys. Um, but Jackson hasn't been able to stay on the field. And, you know, the most important ability is availability. And he's been hurt so often that he can't seem to stay on the field. Um, and we talked about this in the group chat with Lamar Jackson, by the way, um, you know, I think a lot of these receivers get offers from Baltimore and say, you know, we want our quarterback to be able to throw for 4,000 yards, not rush for a thousand. So maybe Watkins is just not the guy that they had to settle for because they couldn't get other guys. 
I, I would love to shine a, you know, a rosy light on Lamar Jackson's passing ability, but let's face it. I, I can never consider the Ravens in that upper echelon of teams because at some point you're going to fall behind, you know, no, no, no team's perfect, but it's like, can you come back from 10, 13 points down? The Ravens are so heavily dependent on a defense to keep the score low and control the game with the clock. We saw it with the chiefs, you know, once the chiefs got up by I think 17 points, mm-hmm. the game was over. The Ravens can't recover from a 17 point deficit. And that's because Lamar Jackson can't, throw with accuracy especially outside the numbers uh the tight ends it worked really well when he had when he had the three tight ends i just don't love his ability to throw the football accurately and it's coming back to bite them in the butt in the Mm -hmm. playoffs numerous times so sammy Watkins, the chiefs he was number three Mm-hmm. I, I think with the Rams, did he, yeah, I think he played pretty well. With the Bills, he never amounted to. The Rams, he was the two, I think, maybe maybe even the one, but he didn't really have a great career with the Rams. Yeah, I mean, everywhere he went except for Kansas City where he could slot into a nice number three role, he's been largely disappointing. Right. So, I mean, I like to move in a vacuum, and it's uh, just to see how it goes. Uh, he's talented. You know, him in Hollywood could, could be okay. Um, but it just goes to show when you couldn't land Galladay or a lot of these other free agents, receivers, that you have to set up for Sammy Watkins. So, uh, all right, a pair of secondary players now uh, signing. Xavier Woods, New Day. Oh, is that the wrong Xavier Woods? I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> that's the wrong Xavier Woods. Uh, he signs to the Minnesota Vikings after his uh, – brief run with the Cowboys and Keanu Neal signing with the Cowboys and you would think he's the replacement for Woods but uh, Dan Quinn the former coach of the Falcons now the defensive coordinator for the Cowboys said that they're going to move Neal to outside linebacker so there's a bit of an adjustment for Neal there Uh, what do you make of these two moves Matt? Uh, Keanu Neal at outside linebacker yeah that is going to be interesting um I like Xavier Woods. I, I think he makes a lot of sense. I like Keanu Neal, outside linebacker. That's the first I heard of it. I, I got to watch some more tape on Neal. I, I love Neal as a strong safety. Yeah. Outside linebacker? Yeah, I, I don't I know. I think they're going to put him in blitz packages. I, I think that he's going to be sort of like a box safety, and they're just labeling him an outside linebacker. Yeah. The, the, yeah. No. I, I guess. I, I will withhold judgment on that. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see how that goes. Uh, T.Y. Hilton, uh, we thought maybe he would be gone from the Colts or maybe we called a career, but he comes back. Colts on a one-year deal. They bring back uh, one of their uh, – who is he, a top five uh, Colts receiver of all time? I don't know. Uh, but they're going to try to find something between him and Carson Wentz. So, uh, T.Y., back with the blue. I like it for and the Colts. Then, uh, yeah. I, I mean, it's one-year deal. I don't hate it. I mean, I would sort of hate it. He's older now, but I think towards the end of the year last year, he, he you know, caught on to something. Yeah, I think with Carson Wentz, you give him that proven wide receiver in that system, it helps Carson Wentz acclimate himself. Obviously, he knows Frank Reich's system or knows Frank Reich enough to pick up the system, you know, because Doug Peterson disciple, Andy Reid disciple, that whole tree. Um, so it, it's, it's a good fit for T.Y. Hilton to stay. It's a good fit for Carson Wentz. It gives the Colts some flexibility in the draft where previously we thought they may go wide receiver, but now they don't have to.
So yeah. Um Yeah, it, it, I think overall it's a pretty... Bay Buccaneers bringing back Dominican Sue. Yep. Which is another good move, I think, for Sue to come back. I think I'm having some... Yeah, so Dominican Sue and uh, Leonard Fournette are back with the Bucks, and they bring back... Yeah, I think we're both having a little technical difficulties here, uh, so bear with us. <laughs> uh, but but Fournette and Sue are back, and I think the only guy that's not back from yeah is Antonio Brown at this point. So with Antonio Brown still out there with multiple offers, Bruce Arians is going to have to find that spot, and then we can go look take a look at a guy like um, not Sue coming back really helps that defensive line. I don't know how they re-signed everybody with the exception of Antonio Brown, but congratulations, mm-hmm. Buccaneers. Uh, it's going to be really hard beating that team. No doubt. You got me now, Matt. Can you hear me? Yep. I got you, Randy. You're back. All right. So maybe it was on my end there, but yeah, Bucks, uh, besides Antonio Brown, bringing everyone back and they're going to try to repeat here. It's the Tom Brady effect. Uh, I expect them to go offensive line on the, in the draft just to bolster that effort. Um, and you know, who knows, they could be adding pieces. still. they might not be done. Uh, I could see a secondary piece too. I think that might be the weakness of their defense. I'll say watch out for quarterback. Okay. I wouldn't shock me. Honestly, I can see it. Yep, draft draft a guy that can develop behind Brady makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. All right, Matt. Well, uh, not some of the craziest names there, but you know, nonetheless, uh, some free agency transactions going down. Uh, but now it is time. It is March 30th. The NFL draft begins on April 29th. So we're just about a month away uh, from the 2021 draft in Cleveland, Ohio, of all places. Uh, and the number one, the presumed uh, number one overall pick, Trevor Lawrence, says he will not go to Cleveland for the draft. But we begin right there with the man himself. Uh, I don't like to use the phrase generational talent, but Trevor Lawrence, by all means, is that. This man is the total package. He is a combination of greats that, uh, I mean, I don't want to be, I don't want to exaggerate or, you know, speak in hyperbole, but uh, I would say, you know, you've seen Trevor Lawrence be compared to Andrew Luck, to Peyton Manning, and to John Elway. And honestly, it is a bit of a melting pot of all three. And I don't think it's crazy to think that he could be as great as all of those guys. Um, Trevor Lawrence, I think he is the cream of the crop. And then there's a big gap after him, Matt. Trevor Lawrence, what makes him so great? Compact mechanics, pre-snap reads, excellent footwork, been in every imaginable big spotlight game that you could want to see a college quarterback in. One of the biggest indicators for success going into the NFL is games played. Um, That has shown a strong correlation to NFL success. So, and then let's just talk about competition too. Uh, I think widely we say Alabama is just a powerhouse because they are. Alabama routinely puts in NFL players, whether it be on the defensive side or the offensive side, and Trevor Lawrence played against those guys. So to me, you know, that Southeastern college football is the best pool of talent in in the entire nation when it comes to college football. I don't respect or hold high a lot of the Big Ten teams, most of them actually. The Pac-12, not a huge fan of that defense. But to watch Trevor Lawrence operate, is it's, it's smooth. You know, the footwork's smooth. He doesn't seem to panic. 
he's just he's got the instincts and i think a lot of people confuse like uh, a lot of people that may love justin fields uh, you know may love guys from previous drafts like baker mayfield sam darnold so if we just take all those guys, the floors is the difference, people. That's what really makes the difference here. When we say generational talent, yeah, because, I mean, his ceiling is high, but his floor is equally as high. He's not going to be a bad NFL quarterback. No. He's probably going to be better than average. So at worst, we're looking at a good NFL quarterback. At worst, we are looking at one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL in the next five years, right up there with Mahomes, right up there with, you know, if Rogers is still playing, if Wilson is still playing, maybe Kyler Murray ascends to that level. Watson. Yeah. I, I kind of wanted to shy away from that name, but yes. But to, to me, like you said, Randy, and I know we talk about this quite a bit, and and you know, I, I think we've ruffled some feathers, you and I, when we say that the gap between Trevor Lawrence and the rest of those NFL or those draft potential quarterbacks is the size of the Grand Canyon because it is, it, it really is. There are so many question marks with all of these guys, and we're going to talk about a lot of them, uh -huh. but man. Trevor Lawrence checks about every box you want to check. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's 6'6", 220. Uh, he's got a cannon for an arm. He, there's not an NFL throw he cannot make. Uh, I mean, he is the total package. Uh, you look at his entire career and he's got, um, you know, over 10,000 yards passing in three years. He's got, um, I'm trying to find the touch. He has 90 touchdowns in those three years. I mean, they make it deep, make deep playoff runs every single year. I mean, he, and that, that's just the statistics to back up the tangible things that you see on the tape. I mean, his mechanics are great. He has pre-snap recognition that other guys don't have. He makes reads in a timely fashion, which is so important because the NFL game is so fast and he's mobile. He can run. He, uh, I mean, a lot of guys like his size might just be pocket passers, might be statues, but he's not, he is very mobile. They run designed RPOs for him. And he has had several long touchdown runs in his career. Um, I think that this guy is, you know, I, I compare him to Andrew Luck because I think that Andrew Luck was truly the last generational quarterback we've had come out in the NFL draft. And obviously, Luck is already retired and kind of said goodbye to football, but Luck at his peak was a top five NFL quarterback yeah. and he was insanely talented. And I think I see so many things I saw with Luck with Trevor Lawrence. And if he's as good as Luck, I mean, he could be even better than Luck, but if he's as good as Luck, then Jacksonville is suddenly going to become a real threat here in the NFL for the next 10 years. Yeah. If, if I had just to give a name and I, I know a lot of people are going to go, Oh, come on. He's just a, you know, we don't know yet, but I, I see a lot of pain Manning in this kid with better mm -hmm. mobility, the arm strength. Uh, it's there. He probably has a stronger arm than Peyton. He may not have as good of a mind as Peyton, but it's up there. So I, I think they kind of cancel some, each, uh, some of those things out. So really when Randy says he's a mix between Manning, Elway and luck, it, it's all there. All three of those guys, you see traits, John Elway was a hell of an athlete. He could run. Mm -hmm. he, he had the best arm in the NFL. So it's all there for Trevor Lawrence. And my God, the fact that, you know, I, I want to be careful with the Jets here. 
how you let Trevor Lawrence slip out of your hands. And I get it. You know, you, you want to compete. But man, that's um, that's going to be a tough pill to swallow watching a Hall of Fame quarterback that you had every right to. Look, when the Colts uh, had Peyton Manning at towards the end, um, they, he had a neck problem. They said, you're done for the year. We're going to suck. We're going to be terrible because we want Andrew Luck. And then that's how you go from Peyton Manning to Andrew Luck. I mean, that's really how you do it. You have to be committed to the suck. Uh, and that was the whole thing. Suck for luck. I mean, everyone knew Andrew Luck was going to be the guy. And he was. He obviously had injury problems and concussion issues, which led to him retiring. But a lot, I mean, there was no denying his talent in the NFL. Trevor Lawrence, when you're the Jets and you're already 0 when what 13 it was, finish the 0 and 12, finish the job. Don't let him slip out of your hands. And you know what? I understand you don't want to be one of the teams to go 0 16, but you know what? I don't think a lot of people care that the Lions went 0 16 when they landed Matt Stafford after that. Um, you know what? I mean, there are things that you do after you go 0 16 that can set your franchise up for the future. Um, and when you go 0 16, you're the Jets. Guess what? Now you have Trevor Lawrence, you have Robert Sala, um, and you're moving forward and you're going to be a team that's going to make the playoffs for the next decade. And now, now you're the Jets at two when you have a decision to make. Uh, and instead, your decision could have been made for you at that point anyway i think trevor lawrence is the real deal uh it sucks that he's gonna have to wear those ugly jacksonville uniforms uh <laughs> and you know I, I hope he doesn't pull like an la or an eli and back out but you know it's still on the table he doesn't he doesn't say he's gonna do that or anything but oh no he, um, he's, he's jacksonville man you talk yeah. about a player that fits a part of the country i yeah. mean it, it's a natural fit i, I yeah. I'm actually excited to see it with Urban Meyer even. And mm-hmm. I can't believe I'm going to say this because I think Aaron Urban Meyer is a, just the worst despicable human being on the face of the earth. I, I wouldn't spit on him if he was on fire. But, you know, t- to me, it's going to be exciting to watch Jaguars football. Uh, count me in. I want to see this. I'm in just for the Trevor Lawrence aspect of it, to be completely honest with you. How soon, though, if Lawrence struggles, do we hear – Dabo Swinney rumors to Jacksonville. <laughs> like, are they going to try to can Urban and move on and try to get Dabo? Because I could see Dabo making that move for Trevor. Yeah, you know what? It's going to be really interesting because I think with Urban Meyer, that's probably not the guy I would have brought in anyway. Yeah. But Dabo would have made a lot of sense here. Um, I just don't know if Dabo wants to leave college football. That's the other piece to it. I think mm-hmm. the fans are going to call for it. Right. But, um, now, Urban's going to have a nice cushy fan base because Florida, you know, right in that Jacksonville area, Gainesville. So he should be fine with the fan base for a little bit, buys him some time. But if there are struggles and they go two and 14, yeah, Urban may fly the coop. He, he may have another heart problem. <laughs> Yeah, who knows? Uh, And I'll give Dabo a ton of credit here because I don't know if a program has ever had a better back-to-back quarterback situation by going from Deshaun Watson to Trevor Lawrence. But my God, uh, that is about as good as it gets uh, when you think about transitioning from one guy to another who both uh, are Hall of Fame level talents, at least Watson is. And it remains to be seen with Lawrence, but we both seem to agree that he's going to be pretty special. Yeah, absolutely. On the same page, Randy. 
Yeah, so let's start disagreeing here, Bushnell, because we're going to move on from Trevor Lawrence and we're going to move on to the guy who a lot of people, especially in football life because our mock draft is ongoing. Uh, Zach Wilson appears to be the guy that a lot of people think the Jets are going to pick at number two, the BYU quarterback. Um, I have question marks, but the highlights, I mean, a lot of times the highlights look good, but he reminds me a lot of... Um, I would, I don't want to say like he's going to be this guy because I think it's an extreme comparison, but he sort of looks like Aaron Rodgers a little bit to me. Um, I'm not saying the arm is the same or he's the same accurate passer, but in the pocket, I mean, he's very good and he has a very live arm. I think he might have the best arm, uh, in this, in this class, but, um, as far as like zip wise, like when it comes out of his arm, it is bang it's there it's it pops out on to you on the screen um i really like wilson's talent ability but there are a lot of flaws with him overall matt um what do you make of zach wilson zach wilson to me is one of the more interesting quarterback prospects because what you see is all right are we looking at conference play um for me it's the intangible aspect from what i see with zach wilson a lot of the mechanics are pro ready like Zach Wilson's ready to go in the NFL and there's not a whole lot of tinkering to his mechanics that he's going to need. Like you said, the zip from the ball, he can throw it from any platform. He can throw it at any spot on the field and it looks good. I, I think what we see with Wilson is can he galvanize a team when shit gets hard? Is he going to be that guy, you know, to fight for his teammates, to stick up for them, rally a locker room during a losing streak, um, but, but I like him. I, I really do. I think there's a lot of things to like his decision-making is worrisome. You know, yeah. I, I think he, you said Aaron Rodgers, but let me give you another comp here. Brett Favre is a guy that I would throw out there. Brett Favre is okay. notorious for trying to throw the football through people. Like he just wanted to put a hole in your chest and get it to the <laughs> wide receiver and I can see Zach Wilson doing that. So he's, it's going to take a strong coach. I, I love Salah, but he's going to have to have a really strong offensive coordinator to really rein in Zach Wilson here. I, I think he is the consensus number two. I agree with it from everything that I've seen on tape, Randy, the way he zips the football, the way he can do things. And I know Jacob Anthony Moses also from the step back. I don't. I, he's not Jimmy Clausen. There's a lot of issues with Jimmy Clausen that yeah, we don't have enough time for. But, but Zach Wilson a, is a better quarterback than Jimmy Clausen. Like I said, I think Brett Favre is the accurate comp here, has enough athleticism to move around, try some knuckleheaded things. Decision-making can be questionable. He does do pre-snap reads, so you're going to be comfortable with that. And he does have to diagnose defenses. That was asked of him. So I think all those reasons is why I think he'll be a very productive quarterback, but man, that floor, it can bottom out. But if he has a strong offensive coordinator, you may have the next Brett Favre on your hands. I feel like a lot of the criticisms here um, are similar to the ones with Patrick Mahomes. Um, a lot of it being that he was very raw and that he's a kind of a project type guy. So that tells me that if he comes into the right situation, that he could flourish. Um, I think that he has great anticipation. I think he throws well on the run, which is, I think, very important. I really like the way he can throw running to his left. Uh, I think that's, you know, a thing a lot of NFL quarterbacks still struggle with. Uh, I think he has good pocket presence, not great, but decent pocket presence. Some of the things that worry me is he's a little undersized. He's uh, 6'3", uh, 220, uh, I believe I, mean, I read. 
I mean, so six three ain't bad. Yeah, two ten. He could put on a little weight, I think. But and then the other thing is that he's kind of a one year wonder. Uh, he really showed out last year, uh, and then hadn't really done much else. And I worry about that sort of thing. Uh, I worry about the experience against great competition. He played at BYU. I mean that that conference is not the greatest when it comes to NFL level players, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So uh, I would like him to get through his progressions a little bit quicker as well. I think that those those things like. He's very much like, I'm going to chuck it downfield. I'm going to go balls to the wall, all or nothing on this play. And I think the competition he plays has a lot to do with that. And you can't get away with that. And, you know, you have to be able to go through your progressions, throw a slant, throw a hook, dump it off to your running back if you have to. Uh, A lot of that he's going to have to adjust to. So if I'm the Jets here, I worry about it. I'm not saying he is Aaron Rodgers, but I'm just saying in the tape, in in a lot of the film you can watch, he has flashes that he shows that he can make plays like that. Um, I don't know what the floor is, Matt Bushnell, but I like Jimmy Clausen. He certainly looks like Jimmy Clausen. I'm I'm not going to say like in the the face of nothing else. I don't want to say he's going to be one of the bigger busts like Jimmy Clausen was, but I, the, the floor is pretty low for Zach Wilson, I would say. I think that's the risk you take. I think the one thing that I always go back to, and I, I will always ride this home, is what do you default to when you get when you, when you're under pressure and you're scattered and everything, and a lot of it's going to be mechanics and decision making. Those are going to be the two things that will always show up when you least want it to if it's bad. And I think Aaron Rodgers, you see with Aaron Rodgers, and you know, that's high end stuff we're talking about right there. Um, It took McCarthy, and this is a lot of credit that Mike McCarthy doesn't get that he should. He had to completely overhaul Aaron Rodgers' mechanics. He had to sit three years to get those mechanics straightened out. And good thing Brett Favre was there so they could have that time. But when McCarthy fixed it, you know, it took three years. Wilson's coming into the league with pretty good mechanics. So that piece of the puzzle, I feel good about. Then we go to the decision-making and this is where the Brett Favre comp comes in Uh under duress. Brett Favre was just like, fuck it. I'm chucking it. You know, fuck it. Chuck it. That's kind of one of the (laughs) mottos for him. So to me, there's that natural progression. Can he improve his decision-making to me? This is a slam dunk pick for the jets while his floor may be low what you can get out of them if you have the right coaching. To me, Zach Wilson is the second best quarterback in this class. All right. I, I mean, I I guess I don't fully disagree, but I like a guy ceiling a lot more than his, and we'll get to him in a little bit. Uh, all right, we're going to move on to a guy that you definitely do not like very much here, <laughs> and it is Ohio State quarterback Justin Fields, uh, a topic of conversation in football life for the last week or so. There is this stigma around Ohio State quarterbacks, and it goes way back to Troy Smith, uh, maybe even before that, but none of these guys have transitioned well into the NFL. And most recently, Dwayne Haskins being the latest victim of this, uh, came in 15th overall pick and just was a disaster for the Washington football team. Despite the stink around Ohio State quarterbacks in general, Matt, what is it about Justin Fields that alarms you a little bit? All right, and we can get to the sample size and everything here. What what worries me is when I saw um, Justin Fields against top competition, especially good defenses, I, I like I, I missed it. 
I, I didn't see this great prospect. I, I saw flawed mechanics, sloppy footwork. Um, no doubt he's got a strong arm. I, I'm not questioning that. He is one hell of an athlete. Yeah. My, my issue and what we see with a lot of the Ohio State quarterbacks is that they're asked to make one read and they don't have to diagnose a defensive coverage. They look at one side of the field, open throw. Th- to me, you know, with some quarterbacks, you can work your way out of that. But recently what we're seeing, Mitch Trubisky was a one-read quarterback, failed. Deshaun Watson had to read the entire field. Um, Patrick Mahomes had to read the entire field. Baker Mayfield was a one-read quarterback mostly in Oklahoma. Kyler Murray, one-read quarterback in Oklahoma. Um, And I I don't want to say Kyler Murray, the jury's still out on him, because I I think we know he's going to be pretty good, but a lot of it's based on athleticism with Murray. (laughs) Yeah, and it is, for better or for worse. I I think with Baker Mayfield, we are seeing a guy that really the highs are pretty good. The lows are really low. Yeah. So to me, that's what worries me about Justin Fields. I, I see a lot of Geno Smith against good competition, and I know that's not popular. Yikes. And, I mean, you can take a look at the Northwestern game from this past season. You know, Pat Fitzgerald is a legit coach. Like, he could go in the NFL and he'd have a job. You know, for a lot of teams would love to have Pat Fitzgerald as their head coach. Um, you know, Northwestern had, has one guy on defense that could probably go in the first round, and that's a cornerback. I, I think his last name's Newsom. But um, a- excellent cover corner. I, I just – I cannot – fall in love with a guy that struggled against the Northwestern team struggled against Indiana this past season, three games that stood out. They were all pretty big games. They won Indiana and they won against Northwestern, but that Alabama game against guys that are NFL football players, some of them, he's going to be playing against those guys at every position. I, I just, the best possible scenario here, Randy is for Justin Fields to go to Atlanta if Atlanta, yeah. if Atlanta can get their hands on Justin Fields, I think it's the best possible situation because Arthur Smith can run that offense very well, what Justin Fields is accustomed to. And they can sit him for a year or two behind Matt Ryan, kind of get work out those kinks. But Fields has to sit. He is not a starter day one in the NFL. If he starts in day one in the NFL, I, I, you know, Dwayne Haskins was an intent not only ability, but intangibles with Dwayne Haskins. I mean, yeah. just a guy that didn't want to work. But if yeah. Fields wants to work, he goes to Atlanta. It's a really good situation. And I, I see a Dante Culpepper-type plateau for him with, mm-hmm. you know, Atlanta. He, he can be really good. But I, I just – if you expect him to start day one, I, I don't like it. I will just be fair with him. I believe he was hurt for that Alabama national title game. I think he got hurt in the Clemson game. So I will give him that. I mean, he did play with an injury, so I will give him the benefit of the doubt there. That's the but NFL, though. I know. You will be playing hurt a lot in the NFL, so I agree. Uh, he has some concerns that go beyond that for me, and it's pocket awareness I don't think is great. Uh, I think a pass rush is totally something that can rattle him. Uh, I think he freezes way too often. Um I mean, just recognizing the blitz overall could solve a lot of these problems, which I think he struggles with. Um, the decision-making you touched on, I just think a simple check down every now and again could do wonders for him and just keeping a drive going that way. 
after, when you watch the tape, he throws, he holds the ball weird. Like he throws, he holds it like this. He throw, he holds it out. It almost like he doesn't look like he's comfortable holding the ball. Um, a lot of guys, it just comes naturally, and they're just holding it. And for him, it's it's sticking out. I don't really understand where he got that from. It bother, kind of bothers me. So I would like to see a little bit better uh, mechanical there. And I'm not saying he's not mobile, but he definitely benefits more from being a pocket passer. So for me, that leads me to the comparison of Dak Prescott, because Dak Prescott is a great pocket passer who's also mobile, who can run. Um, That to me is what Justin Fields is. I think his ceiling is Dak Prescott. And I think Dak Prescott is good. Um, But I think Fields needs to improve on quite a few things and fall into the right situation, which I kind of agree. I think the Falcons would be good if he could sit behind Matt Ryan for a couple of years, perhaps, um, you know, if he landed with the Patriots, um, I could see Bill Belichick being able to work some magic with him. Maybe the 49ers could uh, make it work. I mean, they traded up to three and I think Wilson will be gone. So if they like fields, he's going to be able to hand the ball off quite a bit. He'll have a good offensive line. That could be the ideal situation for fields. So the floor is is Gino is a bad one. I, I mean, if he's Gino Smith, this is all time bad for, for Justin Fields. But I also could kind of see it. I mean, it would be all time bad stuff for if, it, if he ended up being Gino Smith. Yeah, I, I think it, it, you hope for the best. I, you know, I see a lot of Mitch Trubisky in him. Mm. Um, n- not so mechanical wise, in a sense, because I, I think Mitch may have may have little better mechanics, but Mitch's mechanics are shit. So that's not saying much, um, but, but like you said, I mean, thank you for touching on the ball placement. Like mm-hmm. that elongates the mechanics of being able to get the ball out. Yeah. You know, the, the throwing motion is too long in the NFL. Those windows are not open very long. Right. A- anything that you can do to shorten up your mechanics and get the ball out quicker, you have to do because those cornerbacks will trick you. They'll make you, they'll lull you into a sense of comfort and then they mm-hmm. break on the ball. And then all of a sudden you threw a pick six. So that's going to be important. Especially- Especially when it's like, I think he has good enough arm strength, but it's not like Aaron Rodgers level arm strength, Patrick Mahomes level arm strength that even if you can make those throws, the longer it takes you to release the ball, the more time it's going to be for secondary players to, to get in the way of it. So obviously he's going to have to clean that up. And if I'm a, if I'm a quarterback coach or an offensive guy, like the first thing I'm doing is changing the way he holds the ball uh, when he's standing there in the pocket. Um, the other thing is he's only played a season and a half. So he's pretty raw, all things considered. So uh, that was my concern with Dwayne Haskins is that he really only had played one year. So uh, the whole thing with fields, there's a lot to be concerned about and there's a lot of talent. So uh, ultimately he has, he's going to have to come into the right situation for me to, to think he's going to be uh, you know, a successful uh, NFL quarterback for a long time. All right, moving on now, Matt Bushnell. Uh, we're going to touch on Trey Lance right now, the North Dakota State quarterback here, uh, following in the Carson Wentz footsteps. Um, I got to say, of all of the quarterbacks here that are projected to go high first round, he is probably my least favorite. I've said it a million times. I'm going to say it one more time, Randy. Trey Lance is going to get someone fired in the NFL. Mm-hmm. The team that he's going to go to, there's just so many things I hate about, you know, but by all accounts, he's a good kid. Athletic ability is off the charts. You know, he's got a cannon for an arm, you know, all those things. But this is Mitch Trubisky level right here where you have to be careful. His mechanics, so it's hard to explain, but his back leg is almost like at an angle. When most quarterbacks are standing up straight, 
because then you have to reposition yourself. Because when you throw the football, your leg's not like this. Your leg comes up like this and the kick out. It, it is a complicated process. And when you have to change that mechanics, and we talked about it with Justin Fields, the longer it takes you to throw the football, the more advantage it goes to the defense. To, I mean, Drew Brees is one of the most lightning quick releases we see in the NFL. So Brady, the same thing. Brady doesn't Br – Tom Brady, let's just call it what it is. His arm strength got him to the sixth round. You know, So it wasn't yeah. like he had elite arm strength. Brady is able to get rid of the ball quickly. That's why he doesn't take very many sacks. He can diagnose. He's extremely smart. If Trey Lance doesn't fix that leg, that back plant leg, and if, where he has to stand up, it's going to cause him not to see defenders. He's not going to be able to peer over the offensive line. His yeah. drop back is going to be super sloppy. There's a lot not to like. But, man, if another quarterback that needs to sit, Randy, another quarterback that needs to sit, and I, I'm going to touch on this when we get to the lower-tier quarterbacks here, but – I, I'm not picking Trey Lance in the top 10. I'm not picking Trey Lance in the top 15. Yeah. It, it, that gets you fired. Yeah. He, he needs to sit. He needs to go to a good team. He needs to go with an established quarterback coach that can fix these things. Yeah. Uh, I think he has things that can make him successful in the league, which is mobility, arm strength, uh, just overall playmaking ability, um, the ability to extend plays and to, you know, rush for, for first downs uh, in a scenario with a broken play. Um, I think he's overall pretty poised and he's a great athlete. I'll give him that a hundred percent. He's obviously a dual threat guy and he's obviously a great runner, but a lot of it comes from the passing aspect just because he has a great arm. Doesn't mean he's accurate. Doesn't mean he has great mechanics. I think, especially on the run, it's sloppy. It's very sloppy. Uh, he's going to have to clean a lot of that stuff up. I think his deep ball accuracy is alarming. It's almost like Josh Allen alarming where he first came in and a lot of his deep balls were not even close to his receivers. Um, and Josh Allen is the popular comparison here because he played in a small school and a lot like, I don't think Josh Allen is the perfect uh, comparison and I'll give you mine uh, in a second. He just, when you watch the tape, he's running over guys and he's running for long touchdowns, but He's playing at North Dakota State, and it was the same concern I had with Carson Wentz. Like, who are you playing against that will make it so you have a comparable uh, competition to the NFL? And it's just there's not there. And I understand North Dakota State is dominant for in the FCS. I understand that. Carson Wentz was okay. I mean, he's had a decent run for Philly, but obviously flamed out. I, I just I even Wentz had serious concerns, but Wentz had touch. He had accuracy. He had more to offer, I think, to the, for the pro level than Trey Lance does. He's very raw, lacks a ton of experience, is the definition of a project quarterback, in my opinion. Um, he doesn't read defenses very well. He locks onto his primary read, which is a concern for a lot of these guys at, at college level. But to me, by comparison, and it's, it's, this is the ceiling, it's RG3, because the way he runs, he has long legs, and the way he runs looks like RG3 to me. And the way he throws with the crooked leg kind of looks like RG3. RG3 had a similar problem. So to me, I think he's a better arm than RG3 had. He's bigger than RG3 was. But to me, that is the comparison. That's if, it, that, that's if he reaches his absolute best, it's RG3. And I think if it goes bad, it's going to be just all-time bad stuff for Trey Lance. I, I would stay away. I, I just There's too many things that would scare me away from him. 
So the Josh Allen comp is interesting. And he, here's what I look for. And this is what I look for in Zach Wilson, Randy. Show me some traits. What traits can I attribute to the NFL? Uh, for Josh Allen, it was all world arm strength. Like the, the, that arm could throw in any weather, any point, doesn't matter. The, that arm was an absolute bazooka. And he's translated that to a pretty well, a pretty decent NFL run so far. And Josh Allen's getting better with the accuracy. Stephon Diggs obviously plays a huge part in that. But Josh Allen's a legit NFL quarterback. So, but Josh Allen also has pretty decent mechanics. So his mechanics aren't bad. They're not Zach Wilson-esque. And this is why I like Zach Wilson better than Trey Lance is because Zach Wilson's mechanics are going to keep him in the NFL. It's not going to result in an all-time bad pick, I don't think, for Zach Wilson. Here's my thing with Trey Lance. If he's bad, like you said, it's going to be really bad. It is a floor that doesn't have a floor. It's just a bottomless pit, like a sinkhole in Florida. So to me, though, the tantalizing ability with Trey Lance, if he's good – he's going to be really, really good. Like we're talking top five NFL quarterback good. But there's so many things, and it's going to take a long time on the bench to sort those out. What team's going to be patient enough to draft him? The 49ers really like him. I can see that be more of a smokescreen. To me, I, I kind of, I go back to it. I, I think he fits somewhere in that 20 to 32 range. He would be perfect for Tampa Bay. I, I think with Bruce Arians and Tom Brady, that, that would help ensure a successful NFL career because he's got traits. They're just not outstanding like a Josh Allen. I mean, Carson Wentz had a cannon for an arm in college too. No one yeah. questioned Carson Wentz's arm strength. Yeah. So to me, that's kind of what I need to see from Trey Lance. I, I just, I, I wouldn't touch him in the top 10, probably not even the top 15. So is Josh Allen your comp or do you have a different comp for Trey Lance? It, it's hard. Um, I would probably say if I, if I had to go to it, I would probably say Colin Kaepernick as okay. my comp. Um at worst, I just I, I don't have a worst possible scenario because um, maybe Tim Couch, you know, a, a guy like that. Tim Couch has some wow. athletic ability, but Akili Smith. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, okay. it, it just gets bad. Okay. I mean, I, I wanted to do the Colin Kaepernick comparison, but there's another guy we're going to talk about that is sort of a spitting image to Cap. So I'm going to save that comparison for the next guy or one of the next guys. Uh, but we're going to move on. If you want to take Trey Lance, by all means, go for it. But I certainly think it's a project that's going to take some time. And, hey, I would have thought the Packers would have been a nice spot for him, but they also picked a project last year. So uh, they're already uh, in project mode, which you'll get love uh, behind Aaron Rodgers. All right, we're going to move on to Alabama quarterback Mac Jones. And to be honest, Matt Bush, uh, I, I had doubts. I said, you know, he's only played for one year and he had all the NFL talent in the world around him. And, you know, those are still valid concerns, I think, about Mac Jones. But 
I can't help but to watch the tape and really like a lot of things I've seen from him. He makes NFL throws. He has good enough arm strength. I think he's smart. Uh, pre, uh, you know, he has good pocket awareness. I think he does things pre-snap that are valuable at the NFL level. Um, in the right situation, I think the Mac Jones could be a very good pro. And I'll just say it. I watched him for 16 years play for my favorite team. He reminds me of Eli Manning. And uh, Eli Manning in college had a live arm, made a lot of great throws, was, was way more mobile than he became. Mac Jones uh, has some rushing stats, but I don't think he's as mobile as Alabama made him be, which I think he's going to be a traditional pocket guy in the NFL. Um, I'll say the difference between him and Eli is that Eli at Ole Miss did not have uh, as much NFL talent around him. I mean, you're looking at Mac Jones, you're going to have three receivers that went in the first round. You're going to have all these offensive linemen that get drafted that are going to be solid professionals. I mean, there's a lot around Mac Jones to elevate him, but I think that no matter what, he rose to the challenge and he was successful um, with all of that given to him. So I found myself watching all these tape of these guys, finding myself saying Mac Jones could be, could be the second best quarterback in this draft. And I did not expect to think that going in. So what you're telling us is that what's better than having one Jones on your team, two Jones. <laughs> no, they're not doing this. No, 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 okay. no. They, okay. they will not do this. <laughs> okay. All right. Fair enough. Well, I know the giants are attracted to anyone that, may have similar appearances or traits to Eli Manning. So. It's true. Name Jones, especially. Yeah. So, all right. Um, my take on Matt Jones is a, it's a complicated one. He's the second safest pick for the quarterback position in this draft. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not a compliment because like we said, the gap from Trevor Lawrence to the rest of these guys is just, yeah. you know, you, it's, it's like being on the top of Mount Everest and looking all the way down to the bottom because that's where the next set of guys are because I, I don't even put them in the same category as Lawrence. Mac Jones does a lot of nice things. Really nice arm, really good accuracy. Um, like you said, one year of experience in college football, playing with the elite of the elite talent. They may have two wide receivers on that roster go in the top 10. Uh, Najee Harris may go in the first round. Uh, you're taking a look at offensive linemen. I mean, I think they have three or four offensive linemen projected to get drafted. Um, some as high as the fir- late first, early second round. Uh, to me, I, if I had to make a comp, like he's the perfect average NFL quarterback, Jared Goff. Like just perfect. He may be a little smarter than Jared Goff, but to, to me, I just, I, I, I try to wrap my arms around it. And I, I think for a lot of things that I've talked about, I don't love any of these quarterbacks going in the top five, except Trevor Lawrence. I wouldn't draft any of these guys in the top 10. Mm-hmm. Um, well, with the exception of Zach Wilson, I, I would definitely take Wilson maybe second. I can see that that makes sense just because I believe in mechanics so much, but after Wilson, it's like Fields, Lance, and Mac Jones. Um, if you're drafting in a quarterback, Fields and Lance will have more upside than Mac Jones will. I, I don't think that's um, disputable. But but Jones is going to be a safe NFL quarterback like Jared Goff. You, you know, you're going to get some nice numbers. It's going to be pretty safe. Um, you know, there, there's a floor there. There's an unknown there. But I, I just I, I can't. 
if if I'm trying to get to the ultimate pinnacle and I'm trying to win a Super Bowl, I just never have envisioned Mac Jones getting me to a Super Bowl if we don't have everything around him. A better comp form might be Dak Prescott. Okay. Um, That might be Mac Jones, uh, you know, at his absolute worst, you know. Well, I also saw a Matt Ryan comparison, and I don't hate that one either because I think they're both very much pocket passers uh, that rely on a lot of the talent around them. So I don't hate that comparison either. Yeah, I I think it's fair. I think those are solid comparisons. I think Mac Jones will be a solid NFL starter. I don't think he'll ever be a top 10 NFL quarterback, but you don't need him to be if you have guys around him. But I go back to it, Randy. I, I just I cannot fall in love with any of these guys going in the top ten outside of Lawrence and Wilson, and it's just to think that we have the potential for all five of these guys going within the top five or top eight picks is yeah. absolute. The, the NFL is losing their damn minds. These GMs <laughs> are reaching, and this is the shit that gets you fired. I remember the Donovan McNabb draft, uh, and I, that's the one I compared this draft to, Randy. You had Culpepper, Cade McNown, um, Akeel Smith, McNabb, and I believe Tim Couch. Mm-hmm. And that cost a lot of GMs their jobs. Well, yeah. So I, I, I just, I, I don't love it. I, I just, mm. well, but Mac Jones is going to be an okay NFL quarterback. I like Mac Jones. I said I, I watched a lot of tape. Uh, I, it's hard to judge because of all the talent around him. So I don't know if he would have had the same success if you flipped him and Zach Wilson. I think maybe we're, we have different opinions on both guys. Mm-hmm. So I, I wonder how it'll go. But at least the tape looks great. And I love his mechanics. And I think that in the right situation, he could be successful. But I did not expect to be so high on Mac Jones. But here I am uh, kind of vouching for the guy. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that's like the five guys that are projected to go in the first round, I think. And I mean, whether we agree with it or not, I think that teams are dead, get desperate for quarterbacks around the draft. So uh, I would not be shocked if all five of them go in the draft. I wouldn't be shocked if all five of them go in the top 15. So we're going to touch on a few guys who are uh, guys who were projected to go second round or later here. And we're going to start off with Florida quarterback uh, Kyle Trask, who is 6'5", 230, big guy, um, and was a Heisman candidate originally and fell off a little bit towards the end. But uh, I don't know. I think it's a weird situation. I don't really know who to compare Kyle Trask to, but because he's a bigger guy, I think a lot of people compare him to Big Ben. And I don't hate the comparison, but I don't think he's as mobile or you know as physical as Big Ben was. Yeah, I mean, the thing that separates Big Ben from a lot of people was his ability to not go down once the defense made contact right. on him. He's able to stand up and, you know, take a hit and shake off a sack. Um, you know, really with Kyle Trask, you, you we're going that uncharted territory because we really don't know um, what we have here. I mean, Dante Culpepper was a big guy, but I don't think Kyle Trask is as thick as Culpepper was. Uh-huh. Um Kyle Trask might be one of those hidden gems in this draft where he ends up being better than the four other guys. I can see it. Yeah. I I mean, that's where I'm at. And I'll I'll be honest with you. If I'm a team like the bears who need a quarterback, if I'm a team like the Colts that you're not, you know, maybe you're not sold on Carson once per se. Um, I'm trying to think of some other teams. The saints are going to need to draft a quarterback. I feel Kyle Trask can go to some pretty interesting spots 
and really do some things I feel that would benefit him in the long run. Um, where he ends up, who he ends up being, I don't know. Mechanical wise, he's got some things he's got to work on. His footwork's yeah. a little lazy. Um, I, I don't love the throwing motion. I don't either. Yeah. The, the, the arm strength, I don't know. Maybe it improves a lot more. I, I know the accuracy, the accuracy will improve with better mechanics. I mean, that's just, you know, you can't have one without the other for most NFL quarterbacks. So, yeah, he's, a, he's an interesting prospect. Uh, the throwing motion is a good point because it really is kind of funky looking in this. I think I've seen a couple of Philip Rivers comparisons because of that. Uh, I think he had a little bit better arm than Rivers, but I don't hate the comparison because Rivers is a bigger guy than most people realize. Um, but I don't hate it because I don't think he's very mobile. I think he's just a straight up pocket guy. So I think that's going to be a little bit, uh, uh, it's going to change how people look at him because regardless of where you pick a quarterback, I think everyone wants that aspect of mobility. Uh, and if you don't have any of that, then I think that's a huge concern so uh trask could be solid i don't really know who to compare him to honestly i i, I think he's a unique guy because he is bigger but with uh not the biggest like arm ever i don't think but um i think he could be a, a project for a team in the second third round and i think you know maybe a washington football team takes him in the second round because they need to develop a quarterback or you know we'll see where he ends up but i guess my guess would be that maybe the bears take a shot who knows the bears could be in in the in for a quarterback in a, in a later later round I, I got a guy for the Bears in the later round that I, I really love. I, I've fallen in love with one of these guys. All right. Well, we got two quarterbacks left on the list. Let's pound them out quick. Uh, Kellen Mond, Texas A&M, uh, or is it Mississippi State? Am, am I getting that wrong? Uh, Texas A&M, probably, I believe. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Texas A&M is Texas A&M. Uh, look, I watched tape on this guy, and he reminds me so much of Colin Kaepernick. <laughs> uh, the way he runs, his throwing motion, there is a lot of – like, Cap really struggled to throw to the outside the numbers, and he had that long, stretched-out motion, and that's kind of what Mond has. I don't think Cap had the – greatest arm by any means same kind of deal with mond and the way he runs it reminds me so much of how cap ran he had those long legs those long strides uh mond very much reminds me of colin kaepernick and i guess if i had to say that's his peak that, that i that's probably it because i don't know how well kellen mond will be in the nfl if he even gets to play but my guess would be cap if he's at his best my issue with kellen mond is just accuracy 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 yeah. accuracy he, he is not accurate whatsoever it, it's hard actually watching the tape of him because i, I hate his footwork i hate his throwing motion uh -huh. and it's weird because he comes out from under center with a pretty decent drop in his first step and then it just goes to shit i mean it gets bad in a hurry and you're watching this guy and it's just like and i i go back to it i mean Bad mechanics translates to when you are under, you know, under duress and, and you just result to what you've been doing. And that's hard to coach out of. It takes years to coach out of that. And I, I'm just, I'm not sold on Kellen Mond being that guy to be a long-term answer. Maybe a backup quarterback. You said CK. I, I think Colin Kaepernick was such a much better runner than Mond. Mond looks like his feet are in a cement mixer. When I watch him run, I'm like, okay, speed up. Come on, run. Well, Cap was much faster. I'll give you that. Cap was a lot faster. And, yeah. But yeah, just, just the way they run. It was yeah. very similar. 
Yeah, which makes no sense because if he's running like CK, he should be faster. I don't know. Uh, you'd think. Yeah, you, you would think, but man, it, uh, I, I I do not like Kellen Mond. He's like my lowest rated quarterback. If if my team picked him and you know we're like, okay, we're going to develop him for two years, and then that's our. If you're selling me as a starter, I, I'm going to be pissed. Okay. Because he's not that dude. Yeah, I'm not saying he's going to be a guy who comes in and changes anything. He's going to be a mid, mid-round mid draft pick most likely, but uh, at least he's a name I, I think a lot of people recognize. And playing in the SEC, a lot of these guys turn out to be solid, um, but he's a mobile guy. He could be a gimmick type guy. Who knows? He could, I mean, if, if Taysom Hill keeps getting opportunities, why can't Kalamon do what Taysom Hill does, right? Uh, but, you know, nonetheless, I watched his tape and I was like, this guy's Colin Kaepernick. So uh, anyway. <laughs> Uh, we got one more player left on the list, and honestly, time kind of ran out for me here, so I didn't get to watch a ton of tape, but Texas quarterback Sam Ellinger, Matt Bushnell, uh, is this the guy you're in love with here for the Chicago Bears? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, he's got some things that he needs to work on, but I, I, I see an NFL starting caliber quarterback in Sam Ellinger. I, I think the arm strength is good enough. It plays well to the NFL. I think under a better system and better players around him, you would see a very, very good quarterback. Obviously, you know, the, 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 where the rubber meets the road here as a Bears fan, as a Bears um, hoping to take a quarterback in the draft, if you get Sam Ellinger in the third or fourth round, is Matt Nagy the right guy to develop him? And how long is Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace going to be in town? Sam Ellinger needs to go to a spot where he can develop, clean up some of those mechanics. He, to me, he's a borderline first round pick. I would wow. take I would take Ellinger over Trey Lance, to be honest, just okay. because I hate that floor so much. Um, Ellinger may be on the same level as Mac Jones at his absolute best. So there's things I see. I like his decision making. I really do like his decision making. I think with the lack of weapons around him, it kind of hurts him a little bit. But overall, I think he's got every bit of potential in the world to be a really good quarterback. Look, I, the one thing I remember the most about Sam Ellinger at Texas was they won that bowl game and he kept saying Texas is back. <laughs> and uh, turns out Texas was not not back after that. But uh, <laughs> I don't know a ton about Sam Ellinger, but uh, I'll take your word for it. He's, uh, you know, he's got a good size. You know, it seems like some people are high on him, but he appears like he's going to be a, a mid to late draft uh guy so um all right you know that's going to be the, the quarterbacks we talked about here matt and uh i think we touched on all, most of the notable names uh coming out this year and like you said it's not a great quarterback draft but uh it's top heavy and uh, the, the top guy here uh, we'd both be pretty surprised if he wasn't running the league uh, along with joe burrow and justin herbert in the next 10 years i think that those are going to be the three guys we look back on and say these are the the cream of the crop and we're going to be making fun of the jets all these years later for not getting one of them. I I, I hope the jets stay at two and get Wilson. Uh, they can't. Uh, I, I, Wilson's going to be okay. He's going to be a good quarterback. I, I put money on it. The jets get Zach Wilson. They're going to be in good shape. The Jags are going to land their franchise guy. I I'm concerned about the 49ers. I, I don't love trading up to three. I, I just think that was just a move made maybe out of desperation and i don't know mm -hmm. why they'd be desperate i mean I you, you can wait you're picking top 12 
see how the draft goes. You know, Lawrence was going one. Maybe they got news that the Jets aren't taking uh, Wilson. Maybe that's it. I don't know, but it's a heavy price to pay. I think Atlanta's in a good spot. Panthers are taking a quarterback. I have no doubt about that. So uh, you can uh, you can send this clip to the old take oh, freezing cold takes the old takes exposed account, and uh, you know when it happens. But by twenty twenty five, the top five quarterbacks in the NFL are going to be Patrick Mahomes, Trevor Lawrence, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, and maybe a forty one year old Aaron Rodgers. That's going to be my five, but I'd be shocked if Trevor Lawrence is not a top two guy in the league in the next four years. Situation's going to matter a whole lot, but if we're just talking eyeball tests and just what we see from the tape, yeah, I think that's a pretty solid top five. I, I have to wonder what happens with Deshaun Watson yeah. um, because obviously that's a difference maker. If Deshaun Watson can able, you know, if his career is not affected by this in a major way, obviously, you know, I don't want to get involved in that. Just speaking strictly football, if he comes back as a football player he left as this past right. season, yeah. I can't leave him out of my top five. But 2025, top five NFL quarterbacks, I don't disagree, Randy. I don't. <laughs> I, I have no idea what Aaron Rodgers is going to do. But my, my number five quarterback for the top five in 2025 it won't be Aaron Rodgers, but it'll be Tom Brady. I was just going to say, if you put Tom Brady there, he's still in our life winning Super Bowls in 2025, then we're all just going to be miserable. All right. <laughs> but this has been episode 52 of Football Life Presents the Audible. We're all basically at the same point here, all of our episodes across the Football Life umbrella. Before I have you tease the rest of the show, Matt Bushlaw, I kind of got going What on this number thing. Who's the first player you think of when you think of number 52? Oh, Jesus, that's a good question. It's harder, um, right? <laughs> yeah, it, it is a little bit harder. God, I'm trying to think of a Bears linebacker that had 52, and I can't think of one. Ah, I, I'm drawing a blank here, Randy. I go CC Sabathia. I mean, the Yankees ace, best pitcher they've had probably in my lifetime. So uh, maybe uh, Brad Miller, who was center for a while in the NBA, but we're number 52, I think. Yeah, but uh, I think Roquan Smith for the Bears is dawning 52 now, maybe. Not I thought he was 58, but maybe. No, you're, anyway. yeah, I think you're right. He is 58. You are correct. Yeah, probably some random linebacker we can't think of or 52. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, Matt, uh, we got all these other podcasts going on this week uh, and in general. So why don't you tell us about them? Yeah, so I believe Wednesday there's a special episode of Dong City. Well, are they previewing the AL West is that what they're doing? Or I'm not nope. sure which division it is. Playoff predictions. Playoff I, I, believe, predictions. I believe they're breaking down the playoffs. So that yeah. would be interesting. Um, oh, Henry says Mike Webster for the Steelers, number 52, infamous CTE. There you go. Yeah. Oh, good old Mike Webster. Um, okay. So back on track. Dong City breaking down the playoffs. Uh, should be a really good episode. My White Sox are going to win the World Series this year. Eloy okay. Jimenez is going to come back. Stronger than better and hit 20 playoff home runs. Um, moving on to Thursday is the Workshoot Wrestling Podcast with Corey Richmond and Jason Brooks. I, you know, Randy, um, wrestling's been a tough watch lately, especially if you're a WWE fan on a particular Monday. And I just refuse to entertain any of that. So Corey and Jason do a good job of breaking it all down. I really enjoy it. 
So I look forward to that. Henry, I don't care about Ray Lewis. He played for the Ravens. Congratulations, Ray Lewis. Number he's got 52. a point. Got a, good, got a good point. Yeah, football. I can't believe I missed Ray Lewis. Shame on I him. went CC Sebastian. My, my, my brain went Yankees. Yeah, well, there you go. I mean, that's, that's a fan of your team. Yeah. Uh, and then Friday, the Step Back Podcast. Basketball life. Ball is life. Love Leon and Jacob breaking down all the hoops action. I hope to God, Leon and Jacob, if you are listening, break down the Michael Rappaport and Kevin Durant Durant tweets. That is going to be just gold. Let's talk about that. Some KD sensitivity training. Um, Mm. So they go on Friday nights. Love it. They had Tyler Buckley on last week. Really fun episode to watch and listen to. So check those guys out on Ball is Life. Sunday, Total Basis Podcast. They are going to have the opportunity, Randy, to break down a couple of the fantasy guys from the first week, first action of MLB baseball. Opening day is right around the corner. Felipe and Sean are going to give us all the good stuff about fantasy baseball and maybe even break down a couple of games that that took place. So looking forward to that. Um and then Monday we go back to Dong City with Vince Mercandetti and Henry Maldonado Jr. I'm sorry, I'm just looking at some of the comments. Yeah. Um, it... <laughs> Henry's on one in the comments section. Uh, I cannot believe you didn't mention Patrick Willis as number 52, the Niners linebacker, one of the greats. He mentioned Ray Lewis, but he didn't mention Patrick Willis. Uh, <laughs> but nonetheless, yeah, you know, all the shows we have going on, check them all out. I mean, we, we really do cover uh, a wide variety of things, mostly in the sports world, but, you know, we have fun with other things as well. Uh, but Matt, Matt, you have opening day baseball this week. I feel like we should have a bet because you're very high in your White Sox. My Yanks are coming in as, you know, the favorite in the American League here. Are you, are you willing to make, put a little something something here uh, on which team goes further this year in 2021? Yeah, because I think both our football teams suck pretty much. So it's not great. <laughs> yeah, I, you know what? Let's wager on baseball. All right. Well, I want to, uh, you know, have, figure something out that we can bet on. But regardless, we're going to make a bet. I, I say the Yankees have a better – Yankees make it further in 2021 than the White Sox do, whether that be playoffs, World Series. They play each other in the, the playoffs, which would probably lead to another bet. But regardless, not regular season record. If it, if it comes down to regular season record, sure. But Tiebreaker. Tiebreaker if it needs to be. But I say the Yankees make it further in 2021 than the White Sox do. I'm going to say the White Sox make it further than the New York Yankees. All right, there it is. There's the bet. We're going to come up with something to wager on. We don't know what the bet is exactly yet, but that's the bet uh, at its surface. We're going to come up with what's going to have to happen to each of us, regardless of the loser and the winner. So, all right, that's it. Hold on one second. I'm not sure if Felipe's listening, but I, if I win the bet, Felipe gets to choose. Felipe is going to make the decision of what you have to do for me. Do not like that at all. Uh, (laughs) Vince. I would like Vince to make the decision for you or Henry. You could pick either Vince or Henry. Okay. All right. Well, I'll have to discuss this because as of now, my plan is to go down opening day at Yankee Stadium on Thursday with Henry Maldonado Jr. and his son. So I'll keep you guys updated on that. And hopefully we'll, we'll have a little uh, fun down there in the boogie down Bronx. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, but yes, this has been episode 52 of Football Life Presents the Audible. I'm Randy Hammond on behalf of Matt Bushnell saying, However you are listening, wherever you may be listening, thank you, thank you for making us a part of your day, and we will see you all next week.